This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Monday, March 19th. And you know what? I'm, I think I'm five episodes in now. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. My frustration level is increasing already. For the life of me, I cannot come up with a cool catchphrase to start this show. Something that I like. Fucking can't do it. My mind keeps going blank. Every time I try to come up with something that I think is cool and funny, something that will really catch the listener, I, I fall on my face. I don't know what's going on. I just can't come up with something. I wanted to have welcome winners as my opening line for each episode, but man, you know what? That That's kind of corny. It is. My intro music is kick-ass, and it mentions if you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. So I'm like, all right, well, welcome winners. But every time I say it and I play it back, I just feel like it sucks. When you're a podcaster or writer and you can't come up with creative shit, it's probably not a good sign. If you're out there and you're listening to this, help me out, help a brother out, and come up with a cool catchphrase for me to sign on with each episode. Tweet me, email me, whatever. You know what? Call the Moranalytics voicemail line. It's 941-281-5960. Call and leave me a a message and give me something to work with here. Anyway, while my creativity sucks, Having good guests on this show definitely doesn't suck. And I got another great guest on the podcast today because I'm joined by Jay Skursky of the Buffalo News, who's a Buffalo Bills beat reporter. Not only is he a Bills beat reporter, he's one of the best beat reporters in the nation, man. Not just Buffalo, not just football. One of the best sports reporters in the nation. If you don't believe me, dude just picked up an APSE award which recognizes him as one of the 10 best beat reporters of anyone in the nation who works for a newspaper that has a circulation size between 75,000 and uh, I want to say it's 150,000. Yeah, between 75 and 150,000. Jay also marks the second guest I've had on over these first five episodes from the Buffalo News. I had Tim Graham on a couple of weeks ago. By the way, major, major, major props to Tim Graham for scoring the OJ Simpson interview that just... uh was publishing the Buffalo News over the weekend. You can hate OJ all you want, and fucking nobody hates him more than me. Do get rot in hell. But you know what? Tim's a journalist, and it's his job to get great stories and do the biggest and the best interviews. 
of all the people literally in the world since O.J. Simpson got out of jail, Tim Graham's the one person who sat down with him. So hell yeah, I am pumped to say that I had Tim on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. And you know what? I'd love to have him on again in a future episode and we could talk a little more in depth about that O.J. interview. But anyway, enough about Tim. I got Jay on today. Me and Jay are talking Buffalo Bills, the NFL, talk about some personal stuff, parenthood, marriage, where he grew up, going to college in Florida, things like that. Lots of things to talk about. Oh, and by the way, I asked on the spot I put him, I asked Jay to give me a big Buffalo Bills bowl prediction for 2018. Put him on the spot. And without thinking, wait till you hear his big bowl prediction for the Bills for 2018. It's going to blow you away. I'll get to that interview with Jay shortly. But first, Pat with us. To the victor belongs the spoils. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass? The customer is usually a moron and an asshole. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but then... I'm joined by Tone Pucks for some weekly pad with Pucks. Dude, I have moved you into the prime spot this week. Top billing. <laughs> yeah, dude, you know what? It sure is shitty because of your lousy quarterback takes from last week. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. But first, let's talk about more important shit. How was your St. Patrick's Day weekend, dude? Oh, that's right. That That is uh, that is this weekend, isn't it? That way, shit. Yes. Yeah, of course I know it's this weekend, all right? I'm I'm in the heart of the action. I live in the middle of the city. I can't, you know, I, I go for my, my Sunday morning coffee today. Everybody's all revved up already wearing the green. I mean, it's tight. You know, you know how it's tight in this area. It's a it's it's a cool vibe. It's not uh it's not my thing. It's your thing though, man. Aren't you uh aren't you usually up this way for uh for these festivities? I am. And you know what, Tone? Thanks for asking. It almost sounds like that was a scripted question. <laughs> I almost I was not in Buffalo for St. Patrick's Day for the first time ever in my life this year. And obviously that sucks for me. And I know guys like you, and I get it. I'm not hating on you or any people like it, but some people, they're not Irish or they are Irish and they just don't give a shit about St. Patrick's Day. I know it's not a big deal to them, but to me, it's always been a big deal. Friends and family get together, hang out, drink too much, whatever, have a good time together. It's one of my favorite days of the year. So now I did try to make up for that and recapture some of that feeling and what we did this I was, year. What I was going to say, what'd you just do? It's, I, we, uh, I haven't followed along on social media today. I don't know if you've been posting it or not. I have not been posting it. I've kept it kind of low key, but now I'm giving you exclusive news here. We decided that uh, we were going to take a ride to Clearwater and make a day of it and a night of it in Clearwater, which is about an hour from us. My wife and I and two two of our friends drove to Clearwater and went to an Irish festival there at a, at a place with like 11,000 square feet. And it, it was nice. Don't get me wrong. It was cool, man. I'm not going to hate out Florida for that. It was cool. The vibe was pretty good. Lots of green, obviously, good Irish music and stuff. But I just couldn't get over the fact that you look and outside and you're seeing palm trees and shit. I'm used to freezing my ass off. <laughs> I'm used to ending up sleeping on a curb at some point of the festivities. Whereas 
Saturday night, we're sitting there. We went to Clearwater Beach. That's where we ended up at. And we're watching the sunset. Palm trees. And don't get me wrong. There's worse things in the world. That's not torture by any means. But I, uh, <laughs> it was just a different feeling for me to be there in Florida, 77 degree weather. So I don't know. Some people would rather do care. that. I don't care. Yeah, man. I, I don't think I care what I equate the weather to being for, you know, for a certain uh, festivity, holiday, whatever you want to call it. My my opinion, and of course, it's easy to have it when you're living in Buffalo, but my opinion is I will find a way to love Christmas, St. Paddy's Day, or whatever it may be with palm trees as opposed to the bullshit that we're still enduring here. How am I even going to get in a, a, a baseball, se- a high school baseball season to make some money this year? with this weather that we have. It's brutal. So I don't want to hear your bitching about your, your St. Paddy's day palm trees. They're fucking green at least. <laughs> All right, man. Fair enough with the weather, but you know, it's it, the weather's just a different thing. It's it's I'm used to being around family and friends. It was just different. I'm not saying it was better or worse. It was just different. So let's leave it at that. Here's the thing though. This is what kind of fucked the whole day up for me. We're driving there Saturday in the afternoon. And I had just previously taped an interview with Jay Skursky of the Buffalo News, which airs later on this. We were talking about the Bills, where they might have to get to in the draft to get the guy that they wanted quarterback. And we pretty much, Jay settled on, and we had a nice conversation about it, having to get up to three, where the Indianapolis, where the Colts, I'm sorry, where the Colts are on the board. I'm sitting there refreshing my Twitter during the ride, and I'm like, holy fuck, man. So the Jets trade with the Colts, and now the Jets are picking three. To me, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like this completely screws the Bills over. What do we make of this? Oh, man. I mean, that that seems to be, you know, the the popular opinion. It didn't jump out at me that way because I still still saw two, uh, the Giants pick at two, as in range for us. But my worry now is that the Giants know what they want to do with two and that, quite frankly, one and two, um, whoever they may be, uh, you know, looking looking to draft, I think they might be set and simply unwilling to, to, to deal. Now, preferably, if that's true, we're probably going to be out of luck on two of the guys. And, um, you know, you can only hope that the reason the the Giants would be staying there. Now this is all hearsay. This is this is just my take on it that I, my my fear of it I guess is that they both are are going to stay put and that'll uh you know that'll be the real uh, you know tell all as to just how bad you know the Jets uh C blocked us. But if if that's the case you just got to hope that the the Giants are are not a quarterback you know, team and are are going to stay put for Barkley because that's that's what I think. You know, whether it's a quarterback or whether they're looking to improve behind Eli, you know, what improves him more than a special of a player as Saquon Barkley? So, you know, right now my fear is that the Browns are going quarterback, the Giants are going Barkley. Neither one of them are willing to deal, and then the Jets have their pick of the guy that would have been our pick. So yeah, definitely throws a, uh, throws a crimp in the plans. 
And the only saving grace is that there appears to be uh, enough time left to, uh, you know, to adjust the plan. I think Adam Schefter said it best, said the Jets moved from six to three and the team that they actually leapfrogged was the Buffalo Bills. I agree with that. I, I think the Giants at two, I know that's been a target that a lot of people think the Bills are going to get to. I'm not sure of that. First of all, the Jets gave up a, a pretty significant haul to get move up three spots. They gave up two second rounders this year and one next year. So essentially they gave up three second rounders to move up three spots. I would assume that they tried to get up. If they wanted to get to three, I assume that they wanted to get to two. If the Giants are in win mode still, and I think they might be, but if they're not moving on from Eli, I mean, they signed Soldier to left tackle. They traded for Ogletree. The moves that they seem to be making this offseason suggest that they're in the win now and they think they can win now. They could turn things around quickly. They could stay at two. And to me, then it doesn't matter who they take. It's just a, a spot that the Bills can't get to. That matters to me more than who they take or don't take, which I agree with you. I think Cleveland will go Darnold one. And I think if the Giants stay at two, which again, I think they're going to have to get blown away to trade out of that spot at this point. But yeah, Barkley, maybe the guard from Notre Dame, uh, Quinn Nelson. I, I don't know who the guy is going to be, but I don't think that they're so willing to just move down and stock picks. I mean, it would be nice if they are, but if they're not, and obviously the Jets are in at a quarterback at three, that they the Bills got to get to four and trade with Cleveland. Because if they don't, I see Denver at five definitely taking a quarterback. You could have a draft where four of the first five picks are quarterbacks. If the Bills are stuck at 12 and they can't get into that top five, man, you better get to know Lamar Jackson because I think four guys are going to be gone real early, maybe too early for the Bills to get to one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't can't refute any of that. I think with the Giants, too, you better hope it's Barkley because a, a quarterback screws everything up. Then you go, then you've got the potential for it to be three straight quarterbacks and Cleveland then has Barkley staring them in the face and um, they're, they're not passing on him to trade up to us. So then, then, then comes Denver and that could be the fourth quarterback right there. Things got a real, uh, <laughs> you know, things got real cloudy for, for Brandon Bean and he's going to have to work, you know, some, uh, some real magic to, uh, you know, if he had a target, you know, People feel like they they knew who it was, or the Jets jumped that target. He's got some heavy lifting left to do, man. It it, it was not good news. It was not good news. Let let me say this: the Bills get shut out of those top four quarterbacks because you know. Let's just say it really comes down to me. And the more I look at that list, if they want one of the three guys or even one of the four guys, they better find a way to get to that two spot. Because if Cleveland does take Darnold and the Giants take whoever they take, and the Jets pick 30, take a quarterback, that Browns spot at four. That becomes a must trade. And here's the thing. If Barkley, by some chance, doesn't go in the top three, the, the prospects of Cleveland walking away from this draft with getting Darnold one or Rosen, I mean, we're assuming it's Darnold, but we don't know that. A quarterback at one and then still having Barkley on the board at four, that just feels like a, an absolute no-brainer, man. You go and get those two guys. They're not willing to trade. At that point, the only thing I could see that you really hope for is that Denver supposed interest in drafting a quarterback at five because they did just uh, sign Keenum, that maybe they're willing to deal. I know Indy could be another 
candidate to trade down again from six, but man. I, I, Indy knows. Indy, Indy went to six because they know that Chubb will be there. That's my, that, that, that's my I agree. opinion. I don't, think Indy, I don't think Indy's coming out of six. I think Indy's guy's been Chubb, and they went to six because there's there really isn't any scenario where Chubb doesn't get to six. Yeah, I agree. And these quarterback, the quarterback situation just playing out beautifully for a team like the Colts who don't want a quarterback. Let three, let four go in the first five picks. That that's music to their ears. Uh, you know, you know who's you know whose quarterback situation did not play out beautifully? Besides the Bills? Tone Pucks. Okay. Tone Pucks quarterback situation did not play out beautifully. <laughs> I think you alluded I think you alluded to that uh, you know, at, at the uh, at the top of our at the top of our segment. But go ahead. Did you have anything else to say? Because I, I've got I've got to support my uh I've got to support my opinion that went to hell this past week. Yeah, let, let's, I'll let's get to that. In a let, no, let's re, let's let's get to that now. Last week you were pretty set that the Bills were going to sign. I believe you called it the Mike Tolbert equivalent when it came to free agency. I I don't think AJ McCarron's quite Mike Tolbert. I mean, he's not Zeke Elliott either, but he's not Mike Tolbert. No, he's not. And and um. The prerequisite of the Mike Tolbert equivalent for me was uh, was based upon experience, age, and what they brought to the uh, you know quote unquote to the room. And no, you know, uh, I failed miserably in uh, in forecasting that with the uh, with with the signing of McCarron. But let me tell you something, man. You know, and not to rehash all the you know the free age the other free agent moves because I know you're going to go through that. Uh, with Jay Skirsky, but as I looked at the the free agents that the Bills signed, going all the way back to Davis and Ivory, um, and definitely the case uh, on the two biggies on the um, on the defensive line, I, I wouldn't say that the Bills reached for them by any stretch, but I would say that the Bills probably paid ten to twenty percent more to those guys than anybody else was was looking to pay. I think the Bills identified them as hard targets, went and got them. I do not think that was the case with A.J. McCarron at all. I think A.J. McCarron, I actually, I, I think I should say, I think the Bills fell ass backwards into A.J. McCarron um, after that after that day one, you know, when the musical chairs was over and this guy didn't have a job and the Bills were able to get him for really just a song, the sort of contract that I figured they would commit to. Not the player, but definitely the the contract parameters that I saw them ultimately signing up for. And instead of it going to a uh you know a a veteran guy who is quote unquote, you know, uh good in the room, they ended up shifting gears a little bit and going with still a veteran but a, a much younger one who now, as opposed to the you know, the experience that the other guy may have had, he may have had an experience to shed, uh, you know, uh, onto Peterman and a rookie. But now what McCarron has that, you know, say a Matt Moore doesn't have, okay, is a redeeming value coming out of this year if he plays, you know, a, a full season. He's got trade value. You know, and so the Bills had to say, okay, this may have been the way we wanted to go. We wanted to go Tone Puck's route because we know Tone Puck knows what he's talking about. But A.J. McCarron fell in our lap and we could get a two or a three for this guy in one year's time. And, you know, he he has shown an ability to play in this league. 
I don't think we can pass up on this at five million a year. And ultimately, that's how that's how I say the chips fell to uh, to ruin Tone Puck's otherwise solid take on the quarterbacks. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But no, you know, all the bullshit aside on that, I do think um, I do think he fell into their laps. I do not think he was a target. I think they had to adjust their strategy when they saw they could get him on the cheap. The biggest benefit of him being here is that if things go bad with the draft, which we saw for the first time this weekend, that at least it's possible. It is possible that the Bills are not going to get the quarterback that they want to get. So if that happens, I feel a little bit better about A.J. McCarron being on this team than some of the other guys out there, and especially Nate Peterman. I know you're a Nate Peterman guy. Whatever. I don't know. I really don't <laughs> no, know what the fuck up. more to you know say what, about that anymore. I know. I know. That's where that that's. That's the sword I'm going to have to. I'm going to die on over that. Day you are going to die on be Peterman's job. But hold on. Here's here's something that I that I thought of recently. Let's say this Jets trade happens before the Bills sign McCarron, and they see how difficult the path just got to getting their guy in the draft. Do they turn their attention to Nick Foles? Uh, uh, I, I think it's real, man. I think that's a question worth asking. It's moot now. Because they got McCarron and it would just be, you know, I mean, what are you going to do with Foles, McCarron and still try to get your guy? But if if they hadn't signed McCarron yet and they're just sitting there with Peterman and the Jets made the move, you know, before they signed McCarron and they're looking at the possibility of striking out on the first three, potentially four, I, I think it's very realistic uh, that they would turn their attention to Nick Foles. It, but, you it, know, it's, it could have happened. It could have happened, but I mean, obviously we'll never know. I just, I think that this team really is committed to getting one of these four guys, three guys somehow. I mean, we haven't heard a lot about Baker Mayfield with the Bills, any connections, but I'm not dismissing it. Baker's my motherfucker and I bet he goes really early. One last thing in regards to these rookie quarterbacks. All right, so now we know what the Jets paid and we know that the Bills are going to have to pay more to get higher, maybe significantly more. Let's just say that the Bills... Their goal, and don't forget now, the owners' meetings in Orlando are coming up, or the GM meetings in a couple weeks, so there's still plenty of time for things to go down. Let's say the Bills want to get to one or two somehow, some way. They can convince the Browns, or they can convince the Giants that, you know what, move down. Let's just say they do that. It's going to cost them, in my opinion, both ones this year and a number one next year, and probably a couple of other things that go along with that. If, if, if you're Brandon Bean, are you willing to pay three first rounders to move up to one or two. I I am. You have to. Yeah, I, think I, mean, you I don't have think to. you can go halfway, man. I mean, you know, I, I, if, if everything he's been doing is to, uh, is because is for a guy, if, you know, if it's for a guy, then yeah, you know, I, I think you gotta do it. Are you covering the, uh, are you covering the owners meetings, uh, in, in Orlando? I think you should, I think you should go. I think you should ask Brandon being that exact question. Just, just, just like press right up on him. Be like, Hey, Brandon, uh, Pat Moran. Moran Analytics Podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah. He's going to know who I am right away. It, yeah, he will. It is only a 90 minute drive. I might just show up. Do it up. One last thing. Let's just say that the bills end up striking out at least in the t- They don't get into the top six, seven of the draft. They don't get the guy they want. And at 12, they stand Pat or maybe they move up one or two spots and they go up and they get Lamar Jackson. Are we going to get a shitty reaction from the fans? Are they going to consider this offseason a failure for Brandon Bean? All the good trades he's made, all the maneuvering he's done. If the Bills come out of this draft 
with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback, who, by the way, I, I don't know him well enough to have a great opinion on him yet. I'd like what I've seen from him, but it doesn't sound to me from what, from the pulse that I get on Twitter and other outlets, it just doesn't seem to me that fans would be enthusiastic about coming away from this draft after everything they've done with Lamar Jackson. I don't know. There, you know, there's some guys who there's some in, and, and they're influential guys. Bulldog comes to mind, uh, you know, hypes, hypes Lamar Jackson. And, and that's really, you know, what it takes sometimes for these fans is if, you know, someone, uh, you know, on the airwaves or, or with the news, you know, likes a guy and they like, you know, that person given the opinion, they can jump behind it. But I think whether it's Jackson or, you know, I, I'd even put Mayfield in this, and I would certainly put Mason Rudolph in it. If the Bills don't get to one or two and the Jets go and take a Rosen or an even an Allen, now all of a sudden Bills fans who hated, you know, Allen – We'll turn around, watch the Jets get Allen, and be like, "See, yep. the Jets, you know what I mean?" Absolutely, like, absolutely. So if, if the Bills, if the Bills don't get to one or two, and the Jets take a guy that the Bills may have been rumored to like, it doesn't matter who the Bills end up with. There is going to be a probably a pretty significant faction of fans that uh, that think the Bills, you know, got screwed or or screwed themselves by uh, you know by not getting up high enough, or probably. You know, the narrative then goes back to was the playoff run even worth it? You know that because we ultimately, no matter how hard we tried, we still were just too far away from the top five for a team to trade down and us to ultimately get our guy. So there will definitely be discontent um, if they don't jump the Jets. We'll see over the next handful of weeks, but I don't think the Bills are done trading. I I think they're going to get back up. They're going to get higher. They're not going to stay at 12. They're going to get a quarterback and it's going to be before 12. That's my prediction. Fuck football. Enough football. How are your brackets looking? Oh, my God. They're terrible. I mean, I can't imagine anybody answering that any other way right now. I had Michigan I had Michigan State winning in one of them. They're gone. You know, every, everybody ate bit the bullet with Virginia. North Carolina, you know, they don't even show up in, uh, in, in round two. It just, you know, I, I could almost deal with everything that's going wrong with my brackets right now if those ridiculous Syracuse and their local media minions all right if I didn't have to hear about them for another week they suck they play boring god-awful basketball and it's just going to be a whole week of orange emojis clogging my Twitter timeline and I just (laughs) think they're and and you know they took out my champion too so you know, they're not going well, but the, the UB run was a blast, man. Um, it's the only game that, I watched. That was, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. That was real cool. You know, they run, they ran into a juggernaut in, in Kentucky, you know, a group of freshmen, uh, future NBAers that did not play like freshmen at all. They, you know, they, they did not, uh, you know, make those mistakes that you kind of hope a, a young team will make. Yeah, and they just they just blew the roof off that place. They were very, very tough and uh ub was really you know with the exception of a couple uh you know a couple chances to get you know get it under five in the second half you know kentucky kept them at an arm's length most of most of the game and and that was a wrap let's end this with i'm going to give you the floor here i've said this numerous times on this podcast already i am not talking about the buffalo sabers until this miserable season is fucking over 
Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News has already agreed to come on after the season's over. He'll catch me up on the season. He'll talk, and I'm sure he's got some crazy hot takes. And then I'll start to, uh, hopefully I'll get back into the team. I just, I got no goddamn interest in them at all. I know you still do, and you want to say something about Evander Kane. So you know what, man? Dude, the floor's yours. Go ahead. I'll 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 take it, but real quick, don't don't sw- make sure you don't. Sw- I know sometimes we can uh, we can get a little frosty here with our with our language. Don't swear with Harrington, man. I'll hang right up on no, you. No, I no 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 no. You know what? I talked to him already, and I told him I yeah. warned him about my podcast. He goes, "It's a podcast. He don't care." In fact, he said shit to me privately. So <laughs> we're good. Good. All right. Look, this Evander Kane thing. I you know I, I thought it hit me. The minute I, I I saw the picture on on Twitter, where I got and I know you you, uh, you know you're not looking to engage in this conversation very much. You you've got like a personal vendetta. I've already taken my headphones off. All right. Well, real quick, did you see the picture? All right. Did you see the picture of him holding four pucks? I did. With uh, with, with with Brent Burns. Okay. I did see the picture. You know that. So he's he's hold, he's he scores four goals, all right, and he's sitting there, you know, with the pitcher with uh, with Burns and some other guy who's irrelevant to this point. And I just I think about, you know, the way San Jose has brought him in. You know, we all heard the story about Joe Thornton picking him up from the airport, stuff like that. Uh, I look at the leadership on that San Jose team. Burns comes to mind for this as a big part of it. Now you look at a guy like Brent Burns, man, he's a hip looking dude. Okay. He's a crazy looking son of a bitch. You know, he's got the big beard, the missing teeth, all tatted up, you know, him and Thornton in the ESPN body picture. You know, these are the sort of guys. All right. That I just feel like Kane and, you know, Kane had that big personality had, he still has that big personality. And you see it also, you know, certainly you see it in Burns. I, I don't know how, how Thornton is or whatever, but, um, you know, these these just strike me as the kind of guys that Kane maybe doesn't doesn't look up to or something like that. But but the sort of guys that Kane could say, yo, man, you know, they can be themselves. They can have this big personality and still be leaders. All right. And still, you know, take the game seriously and, you know, I believe that he falls in line in San Jose. In contrast to that, I go back to the Sabres leadership during his main, you know, his his primary time here. Not really this past year. All right. As the leadership is kind of turning over. But I look at guys like Gianta and, and George's. I look at the leadership group that Murray built. All right. To kind of, you know, uh you know, season the, the, the up and coming kids. Okay. As well as guys like Kane. And it was just a big, big miss in terms of, you know, bringing that, bringing that quote unquote, again, you know, room together, you know, there were, there weren't, there weren't many guys in the middle, you know, there were the, the straight laced, you know, husbands and, 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 and mature guys like Gianta and George's. And then there were the kids, you know, and there was just like a almost a generational gap there between the two. And I think that's where, you know, it, it failed in, in the Sabres room. And I think that's why it's succeeding in 
in San Jose's. And and that's just, you know, that's just a thought I had. It's it's obviously taking a whole hell of a lot, all right, out of one single pitcher. But um if I I, I, I will go to my grave not thinking that Tim Murray screwed this t- thing up as much as people like to think he did. There are some decent players on that team, on that roster, that roster that simply never meshed into a team. And I think um, that those very distinctly different pieces, uh, personalities um, are a big part of why. But I'm glad it's working out in San Jose. And I'll end on this point. All right. As badly as Botterill got crucified for not getting a one, he did send him somewhere where this condition of a one at least has a prayer because they're loving him there. All right. They may very well re-sign him. And for Botterill to be able to pick the team, all right, that that could work with and still get his one out of it, uh, he would then deserve to have that trade revisited and be given credit um, if Kane re-ups there. Did, uh, that's it, man. I'm sorry. That's all that's. Sorry for the savers. Uh, Did you say something? Did you just say something? <laughs> <laughs> I one thing, one quick thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I actually yeah, the, the while you were boring me, while you were boring me with that, I actually looked at the Sabres <laughs> schedule. So I looked at the schedule while you were boring me, and I see that Wednesday they play Arizona at home. That's a, is that a fucking big game? Am I at the point now where I should be rooting for Arizona to win Wednesday? Are we at that yet again? Are we you there? want to be that guy. You want to be that guy. Be that guy, man. Look, no, I, I, I think they are. I have not paid much attention to that, but yes, I, I think it is a. Uh, I think it is a two horse race down there. Maybe three. Someone else really sucks too. I can't remember who, but yeah, you know they're back in that mix, and uh, you know if everybody everybody wants to be all in for Dolan or whatever. Um, I can't, uh, I can't tell him who to root for. Uh-huh. Mike Weber's not here to throw a fucking hissy fit anymore when, uh, when the opposing team, uh, scores and people cheer. So have at it, man. I can't, I can't, I just, I can't, I, I can't root for the team to, to, to take again. I just, I don't know if they are or not. Again, I'm not paying any attention. All I know is they're playing Arizona. Those are the bottom two teams. It's a big game for all the same stupid reasons as it used to be. Whatever, dude, whatever. Yo, my wife, by the way, called me Pat the Miserable Podcaster. Is that fact or fiction? What the fuck? <laughs> it depends on what what sort of context she, she meant it in. Like you, you she know, meant it as in I'm miserable. takes her neck Pat the Miserable Podcaster. God, could we change it to that name, please? <laughs> I love Aaron. All right, so thank, thanks for coming on this week. Two shows next week, so you'll stay out on Mondays. I'm going to be doing different things on Thursdays. So thanks for your time. I'll talk to you next week. And guys, here's that interview right now with Buffalo News reporter Jay Skirsky. All right, so my guest today is Buffalo News sports writer and Buffalo Bills beat reporter Jay Skirsky. How are things going, Jay? Hey, doing well, Pat. Thank you very much for uh, giving me the chance to uh, to do this with you. You know what? And by the way, I should have said 2017 Associated Press Sports Editor Award winner, Jay Skursky. What a great honor. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was uh, a very nice, uh, actually a pleasant surprise. My uh, boss actually put together uh, a, a, a sort of an entry package, I guess, if you will. And uh, I started getting all these texts and like people saying congratulations. And I had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. So <laughs> then I had to... Uh, 
kind of figure out, oh, well, yeah, so that that definitely made for, uh, I guess that was, uh, what was that, the day before, or maybe the day that we were leaving for the Combine in Indianapolis. So, yeah, that made for a nice morning for sure. And uh, it was, uh, like I said, totally unexpected, and uh, but something that I'm really appreciative, uh, appreciative of and, and something that I'm really proud of, too. Now, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Jay, and along also with Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News, there's just between the circulation of 75,000 to 175, there's only 10 beat reporters in the nation that got this honor, and you and Mike were two of them. So that, that really is an incredible honor. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, I think, you know, uh, not to toot my own horn or anything like that, but I think, you know, the fact that Mike was chosen too is really kind of cool. And, and I hope that that, you know, is maybe recognized by people and that live in Buffalo that, and I, I know obviously I'm, you know, biased here, but I, I do think that we just have a, a lot of talented writers and reporters at, at the news and, uh, you know, guys that I just really look up to and have been doing it for a long time and, and really doing it well. And, you know, it, the list goes on and on Tim Graham and Jerry Sullivan, Vic Carucci, Mark Gaughan, uh, and all of these people, Mike Harrington and John Vogel on the Sabres, all of these people, uh, you know, know these teams in Buffalo. Well, they, you know, are committed to, to trying to do the best job that they can for Buffalo sports fans. And, and I know that not everyone, uh, Bucky Gleason, I need to mention him too. I mean, really, all of my coworkers, you know, I, I think bring uh, an extraordinary amount of talent to the job. And I know people might not always agree with everything that they say or, or write about those, uh, you know, those teams, but uh, you know, they work hard at it and, and I think they do it well. Sure. And I mean, it's been kind of not, not just a, a, for your newspaper, but newspapers all over the country. I'm sure it's gotta be kind of an adjustment over the past couple of years as you have to evolve from just being a sports writer, so to speak, to doing things, more interactively, you know, like Tim has a radio show now, Sully and, uh, and Bucky have a radio show. You do a lot of uh, video stuff for the Buffalo News, podcasting and things like that. It really, isn't it a big adjustment as you have to evolve from just being a sports writer in today's day and age? Yeah, no question. I mean, you, you know, you just mentioned it there. I mean, we're doing radio. We're doing, uh, you know, I'm going tonight uh, to tape uh, Sports Talk Sunday at, uh, at Channel 2 for uh, you know, for that airs on Sunday mornings. And, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, we, we do quite a bit of during the season. And yeah, you, you know, especially when, when the football season is going on, I mean, you're taking calls pretty much every day, almost from, from radio stations wanting to talk about the bills and yeah, it's just part of the job. I mean, it, it gone are the days where you sort of write a story and, you know, you send it into your editors and then, and, you know, it appears in the, in the newspaper tomorrow. I mean, those days are long gone. Now it's, you know, you're blogging, you're tweeting. Social media is a huge part of what we do, uh, you know, especially with Twitter in terms of the immediacy of, of getting news out there. So you have to try to be as up to speed and, and uh, you know, as functional in those things as you can. And, you know, it's, it's a learning process, I think, for a lot of us that maybe haven't done that before. You know, I hadn't done TV, um, you know, uh, up until a few years ago, but, you know, I try to work at it, try to get better at it. Um, and, and I think the same thing goes for radio, same thing goes for social media. And the interesting thing, I think for social media, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will, would agree to can attest to is that you can kind of find your own style and your own voice. And certainly, you know, the guys that work at the news all have their own styles. And, and again, some of those styles maybe aren't for everyone. And, and some of them, you know, some of them maybe love the styles, you know, and, and that's to each their own. So I think, you know, that, that's ever evolving. Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy doing TV? Do you enjoy 
doing spots on the radio and things like that? I do. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely, you know, I certainly want to, you know, as, as one of the younger guys on the staff at the news, uh, I want to be able to try to reach as many people as I can in terms of, you know, bringing what I, you know, what I hope is my expertise on the bills to them. And, and if I can sort of, you know, if I can reach somebody through uh, an appearance on TV, or if I can uh, do a spot on a radio show or, or do this podcast with you and, and you know, maybe uh, open some people's eyes to the work that I've done or the work that I do and, and get them to, you know, be invested in it and, and to hopefully like what I do, then yeah, I, I want to reach as many people as possible. So yeah, are there times where, you know, it, it adds to a hectic day? Certainly. But I think the, the end result is ultimately worth it. And I can understand why we're doing it. Sure. Absolutely. Speaking of your work. All right, let's talk a little bills. Last week at my podcast, I was a hundred percent convinced that the bills were going to end up paying Tyrod Taylor a $6 million bonus. And unless they got blown away by a trade offer that they would probably just hold on to him and he would be a bridge quarterback for one more year while they go get their rookie. You know, and I've said that semi-confidently. So needless to say, I was pretty floored earlier this past week to find out that Tyrod got traded to Cleveland. And not only did he get traded to Cleveland, but they got the 65th pick of the draft, early third rounder for him, and they didn't have to pay him that $6 million bonus. Were, were you stunned when you found out that news? Well, I wasn't stunned by the news of the trade. I mean, I thought that, you know, they, they were everything we knew about, or I guess, we, let me rephrase that. Everything that we needed to know about Tyrod Taylor, we we learned last year when he was benched before that Chargers game. I mean, sure. you do not sit your starting quarterback in the thick of a playoff race if you believe in the guy. So we knew at that time that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and the coaching staff did not believe in Tyrod Taylor as, as their Short-term answer, I mean, let's face it, if Nathan Peterman doesn't fall on his face, Tyrod Taylor doesn't get back into the lineup, in my mind. I mean, they they made that change, not with the idea that it was going to be for one week, but it was going to be for the rest of the season. So we knew then that they were ready to move on from Tyrod Taylor, and nothing that happened after that, including you know the fact that the, the team made the playoffs, changed my mind. And a big part of that is when you look at his performance in that playoff game, I think it drove home a lot of the negative points that have been, you know, consistently raised about Tyrod Taylor, that he can do some very good things for an offense, but when the team sort of needs the quarterback to put them on their, on his back and and kind of carry them when nothing else is going right, far too often Taylor wasn't able to do that. And, And I thought that that played out in that Jacksonville game. And for a lot of people, you know, it's interesting to kind of look at the dynamic of, well, they end the 17 year playoff drought and people are so excited about it. And these great, videos of the celebrations and all of that. And it was a a truly exciting time around here, but then that playoff game happens and it's there for the taking and they can win that game. They just need somebody to make a play offensively. And that starts with the quarterback and it didn't happen. Right. So I'm not surprised that they moved on from Taylor. I was floored as I think everybody else was with the return that they were able to get from him. The 65th pick in the draft. I mean, that's a premium pick, you know, the first pick of the third round, and when you add into, you know, now they've got five of the top 65 picks, they've got, you know, what is it? Nine picks overall. The amount of draft ammunition that Brandon Bean has accumulated here is really, really impressive. But um, so, yeah, I mean, the long answer to, to your simple question there was I wasn't surprised at all by the trade. I was surprised that they were a able to find a trade partner. I, I was skeptical that might even happen. And then B was absolutely stunned by the return. 
And you could probably say ditto for Cordy Glenn, because in that case, you have two guys who, at least I feel this way, if they weren't able to trade them, there's a good chance that they probably end up cutting them. So they end up getting a high third for Taylor, plus saving money on the cap, and then they uh, trade Cordy Glenn and they move up nine spots in the draft. Did that floor you too? And again, I'll phrase it so not so much that they were able to trade Cordy Glenn, but that they got really good, uh, they got a good return for him. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you hear it that way, when you say they moved up nine spots in the draft, that doesn't sound like that much, you know what I mean, for trading a, a potential franchise left tackle. But it's important to look at it in the terms of like the value charts that are out there. And I, and I know that, you know, some teams use different value charts. Some some people, some, you know, believe in, uh, or, or maybe I, I guess the better word would be say, you know, don't believe in these value charts. But let's just use the Jimmy Johnson chart, which is the baseline. And Brandon Bean said is still a baseline in the NFL for teams. By moving up from number 21 to number 12, which the Bills did in that trade, they got the equivalent of a high second round pick. Mm -hmm. So if you were, you know, strip away the, uh, you know, strip away the, the, you know, the exchange of draft picks for a second and just say, well, if Cordy Glenn was traded for a high second round pick, would that be a good deal? I don't think any Bills fan out there would say, oh, that's not a good deal. Let's not do that. So again, I thought it was a really good trade by Brandon Bean. I thought that the, you know, the return that they were able to get for a player that they were as you mentioned, we're ready to move on from, uh, was phenomenal. And it, and it greatly aids in what I'm sure we're going to talk about here eventually is their pursuit of a franchise quarterback. And, and clearly, you know, to me, that is the plan for this team. And, and you know, this was step one um, in, in executing that plan. And I think that, you know, obviously there's going to be more steps to come, but, you know, Cordy Glenn, it was time for them to move on from. And we've seen, systematically since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have taken, have taken over here, they have one by one sort of purged this roster of players who have, you know, ties to the former, uh, you know, the former front office led by Doug Whaley and that contract extension that, you know, the bill signed for Cordy Glenn, they overpaid him. I mean, that's, there's no other way to put it. You know, he, Cordy Glenn is a nice player. He's never been a pro ball player. He's not one of the, I don't think, five or six best best left tackles in the NFL, but that's the way he was paid. And, you know, now he's dealing with injury issues, and the team drafts Deion Dawkins in the second round last year. He comes in, starts 11 games, and shows that he can handle the position at a fraction of the cost of Cordy Glenn. So moving him was sort of a no-brainer for this front office. Now, before we, we will jump into the rookies, obviously, in a second, but before that, what's your thoughts on the Bills signing A.J. McCarron? Uh, again, I mean, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I think it's another really, really strong move by Brandon Bean. You know, look at number one, what they paid for him. It's a, not very much when you factor in, you know, his cap hit, what the dead money is, uh, after trading Tyra Taylor, what they're paying Nathan Peterman. I mean, they are not, they do not have a lot invested in the quarterback position. Now I know people are going to look at that and say, well, that's the position you do want to invest in. Yes, I agree. But you know, we'll get to that. The thing I love about the McCarran move is that it gives them an option. I mean, as a two-year contract, you know, let's just play out the scenarios here. What what could happen? You know, McCarran could come in and show that yeah, his best role was as a backup, and that you know clearly that's the position uh, that Cincinnati had him in, and there was a reason for that. He couldn't beat out Andy Dalton. All right, so if that happens, then they've got a backup quarterback on the roster who's making moderate money. 
they're still going to draft a guy first round. I mean, we're, we're convinced of that. We, you know, it's not a, it's an open secret, you know, if you will, around the league that the Bills want to get a quarterback. So that rookie comes in and he starts and, you know, he goes through the growing pains maybe that a rookie goes through, but the hope has to be that that's the guy for the future. The, the, the other part of this though, is what if AJ McCarron is good? I mean, there is an mm-hmm. upside to him, you know, there's an allure and I kind of, you know, I wrote this, there's an allure of the unknown, particularly a quarterback. I mean, let's talk about Levi Brown. Remember when he was drafted in the seventh round, people wanted to see what he could do because he plays quarterback. So, you know, 27 years old, he's, you know, he's had some success. Obviously he's had phenomenal success in college. He did some decent things for the Bengals at the end of 2015 when he did come into the, to that, uh, you know, to step in for injury for Andy Dalton. So, I am very intrigued to see what A.J. McCarron can do. The best-case scenario for the Bills is that A.J. McCarron ends up being very good. And if they if that happens, well, okay, you want to turn it over to a rookie, look at what Kansas City did this year. You know, they draft Alex Smith. He has a, a very good year. They're able to trade him for, uh, you know, a, a, a very good package to, to Washington. And now they're going to turn it over to Patrick Mahomes. The same scenario could play out here in Buffalo. I mean, you know, look, it's the Eagles model, right? You know, Howie Howie Roseman signs Chase Daniel. He signs Sam Bradford. He still drafts Carson Wentz. Sam Bradford ends up up getting traded for a first and a fourth round pick. So I think if you're a Bills fan, I don't see the negative. I don't see the downside here to signing A.J. McCarron. I mean, you're hoping against hope that he ends up being really good. And if he does, then that's a great problem for you to have. On your quarterback draft board as of right now, if you're Brandon Bean, and you have the first pick of the draft. Give me your five. I would go Rosen one. I'd go, uh, it's, for me, two is really close between Mayfield and Darnold. Uh, I like what Mayfield brings, so I'd go Mayfield two, Darnold three, Jackson four, uh, Allen five. Okay. Now, moving on beyond quarterbacks, the Bills also signed Trent Murphy. And now uh, Vic at the Buffalo News, he reported that the move won't affect Jerry Hughes or uh, Shaq Lawson at all. I'm not sure I buy that. I mean, I buy it for right now, but I'm thinking that maybe draft day or after the draft that uh, you think that it's possible that uh, either Hughes or Lawson are, are either dealt or, tr- or uh, cut? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, they're not cut. I mean, I don't see them cut. There's no way that they're cut. I mean, in, in Lawson's case, cutting him would be a substantial hit against the salary cap, sure. and they're going to be pretty snug up against the cap. So you're definitely not cutting him. I mean, you got to hope that he can put something together and at the very, very least be a part of a rotation on that defensive line. Now, trading him is about a wash in terms of the cap. It doesn't really add or subtract much money. So I would say that that would certainly be a possibility that if they could find a willing partner to pay the price, but you'd be selling really low at this point on Shaq Lawson if you make a trade. I mean, he's coming off two injury-plagued years without much production. Um, so I don't know what kind of value you'd be getting back unless you just are convinced that he can be of no use to you whatsoever and you'd be willing to trade him for anything. I think you'd be selling really low in that, in that situation. So I think the, you know, the, what you have to hope for is that he can figure out a way to, you know, to develop into the pass rusher that the bills were hoping that they get from, you know, or were going to get with him when they drafted him. And I know that, you know, it wasn't this regime that made that pick and, Certainly, when you look at the way that everything has gone for players who were not brought in by this front office, it's it's very fair to say Shaq Lawson's time with Buffalo might not be long. But just given his contract status, I think it would be a big surprise. And, and, and quite frankly, I think it would be a mistake to cut him. And you know, with Hughes, you know, another guy mentioned by the previous front office, 
also not coming off a very strong season, but at, at some point you get to the point where you say, well, what's behind him and, and what are we, you know, who are we going to start there? You know, it's not a stretch to say that Sean McDermott really does like to rotate his defensive alignment. I mean, if you go back and look at playing time from when he was the defensive coordinator with the Panthers, that's true. I mean, they, they do use a heavy rotation up front. So I can see them, you know, going with a situation where Trent Murphy, Shaq Lawson and Jerry Hughes kind of rotate through and, and you know, they all get, a, you know, kind of an equal amount of playing time at defensive end. And I don't think that's necessarily such a bad situation. What's your take on star Ludalele, uh signing for five years, 50 million? It's a pretty big contract. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and I tweeted a little bit about this, you know, I think that, you know, it's the cost of doing business in the NFL and free agency when you get you know, the second contracts are what every player is angling for. And, you know, when you're a team like the Bills that has as many free agents uh, as they had going into, uh, you know, the open market, there are going to be spots on your roster where you have to, you, you know, you just have to use free agency. Just You simply don't have enough draft picks to sort of fill in all of the holes that you have on your roster, particularly if you use some of those draft picks to move up, which, you know, again, I expect, the, you know, that's the expectation. So, um, you know, is the money maybe more so than what fans thought? I think, yeah, certainly, you know, it, it sounds kind of like an eye popping contract, five years, 50 million, but in, in reality, it's about a three year contract. And then after that, the bills can get out of it for a minimal salary cap hit. So, you know, he's 28 years old run defense was a huge problem for this defense, you know, for this team last year. Certainly, you can make the case that Lotulele fits in really well next to Kyle Williams, and if he can be the type of guy that can occupy some blockers, free up Kyle Williams to make plays, I think it makes sense. So, you know, the fact that he's the highest paid player on the team, I think, catches some people off guard. But I don't think that's going to be long. I mean, certainly, you know, when this free agent, or, you know, when this front office decides that they want to extend some of their own guys in a couple of years, Tredavious White, for example, you know, will come up for a contract. I think he'll get more than Star Lotulele will. But so that, I guess that's kind of where I'm at on the deal. I, I can see why some people thought maybe they overpaid just a little bit, but he does fill a need for this team. And, you know, the pressure is going to be on him, though, to produce. And, and that run defense in particular needs to get a lot better with him in the middle of it. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a major issue last year. The middle of the defense just wasn't good enough. If you're going to spend money, you got to get a, a guy like him who can help stuff the run and maybe a. Uh, open up opportunities for linebackers and make more plays as well. Now you mentioned Kyle Williams. He's back one year, 6 million. I think it was like 5 million guaranteed. Uh, do you feel like that's a lot for him? Is he worth the money at that stage of his career? Yeah. And you know, I was a little bit surprised about, you know, I guess the money, you know, it was 7 million that he made last year. So he's down to, you know, it takes a million dollar pay cut to, to 6 million to come back. You know, I was in, in talking with some of my coworkers about this, though. So, you know, the Bills had to make it worth his while to come back, too. You know, he's not going to come back. Uh, is he really going to decide that, oh, I want to come back and play on a veteran minimum type of a salary for a 13th year and, you know, put my body through, you know, the, the rigors of another NFL season? So I do think that, you know, maybe, again, maybe slightly higher than what some people had thought that the deal would be. But, at the end of the day, I don't think it's anything to really, you know, lose too much sleep over. I mean, and, and if Kyle Williams, if Star Lotolele, going back to him, can do what I said earlier, free up some guys for Kyle Williams, and, and he can be sort of that penetrating defensive tackle who improves the pass rush, then I think it'll be money, you know, well spent. And, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of people that maybe roll their eyes a little bit when, when you talk about leadership and that kind of thing, but, you know, I can only tell you that a little bit more insight than I have than maybe the average person by being in that locker room day in and day out. 
it's not fake when these guys talk about what Kyle Williams means to them in terms of being a team leader. And there is a value that you can put on that. I don't know exactly if you can put a monetary term on it, you know, is it worth instead of 4 million, 6 million, maybe it is because he is as good of a leader, I think as as there is in the NFL. And, you know, when you hear guys like Jordan Poyer, who was new to the team and you see their reactions on social media, when it, you know, it's announced that he's coming back, that's all genuine. That's all real. And he is unquestionably the team leader. And that will be even more so the case this year with Tyrod Taylor not being there and with Eric Wood not being there. There was a void at leadership. And I think Kyle Williams, you know, really helps to fill that. Yeah, absolutely. And the defensive line certainly improved with the with Williams back and the two new guys. But now converse and plus I like the secondary, by the way, Vontae Davis. I think the secondary is in good shape, but the linebackers right now, it feels like that's a mess. They got Matt Milano, maybe Lorenzo Alexander. <laughs> we don't have anything else. Preston Brown just signed with Cincinnati yeah. on a one-year deal. What's their plan there? I, I would assume that aside from quarterback, obviously, I would think that addressing linebacker as early and often in the draft as they can, that's probably, that's got to be priority number two at this point. I, I'm totally with you there. I mean, I think, yeah, you just said it. Outside of quarterback, what's the biggest hole on the team right now? It's middle linebacker. I mean, with Preston Brown leaving for uh, Cincinnati, I mean, that, that's a position in Sean McDermott's defense. You know, obviously everybody talks about what he did with Luke Keekley and, you know, there aren't a lot of Luke Keekleys out there. I mean, I, what, you know, he was a, what, a top 15 draft pick, I believe, uh, at Carolina. So that's an ultra, you know, premium spot where he was picked. But I think if the Bills somehow don't move up for a quarterback, if they just can't get a deal done, then, you know, linebacker at number 12 or number 22 makes a ton of sense for this team. Uh, I'd be shocked though, again, you know, if they didn't, you know, figure out a way to get up for a quarterback, but yeah, some, somewhere early in the draft, like, you know, l- let's say that they move up, they trade 12, 22 and one of their second round picks. I'd say that other second round pick almost has to be a linebacker at that point. Sure. Before we move on from the bills, give me one bold bills prediction. That'll happen sometime between now and the end of the draft. Sometime between now and the end of the draft. Something bold, bold. prediction. Stick your neck out. Right. Well, I mean, I can't. So it's it's not bold to suggest that they're going to trade up, right? I mean, that's not bold. No, um, that don't count. You got you could that could be half right. of it. You got to give me for who though. Let's throw a name out there. All right, let me. I'm I'm going to beg for. Uh, yeah, so I feel like you're kind of looking for like a cut or something like that, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I have that. Let Let me go. I'm going to answer the question somewhat differently. AJ McCarron makes the Pro Bowl. That's a bold prediction for you. Holy crap! Yeah. That's pretty bold, man. <laughs> wow. Right? Yeah. Okay. Hey, I mean, you know, I, I I think he's stepping into a really good situation for him. You know, I, I know that many people might look at the receivers and say, really? Well, you know, hey, in Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones, you've got a couple guys to work with. Charles Clay, I think, can be an effective tight end for you. And you've got a strong running game with LeSean McCoy. So A.J. McCarron has put himself in a situation here where, He's, you know, he's going to be highly motivated to get that, you know, that that uh, contract that he probably thought he was going to maybe get this off season, and it didn't come. And clearly, if you look at, you know, the interest in McCarron around the league and what he ended up signing for, he still has a lot to prove. And so he's going to be highly, highly motivated to a hold off a rookie and b earn that next contract, whether it's from the Bills or another team. So um, 
you know, when I said earlier that I like the signing, I, I really, really like the signing. I, I guess so. And I'll tell you what, if it do, <laughs> we'll put it this way, if it doesn't happen, I mean, we're talking months down the road, people will forget about that. But if AJ McCarron ends up making the Pro Bowl, you can bet your ass I will be playing that clip on Twitter over and over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> All right. And, and if he doesn't, we'll just forget that it yeah, ever exactly. happened. Right? But if it hey, doesn't, you, you didn't said say. you wanted something bold. I had to go bold. That so that, is, you know, that, that's what I'm going with. That's far more bold than I ever anticipated. <laughs> 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 who Around the NFL, who out there in free agency did stuff that like you really liked? Who really improved themselves in free agency the most? Well, you know, I think that, you know, the Giants getting Nate Soldier, I thought was a really good move. And I know Bills fans probably liked it because it, you know, it weakens the Patriots, but, you know, left tackle is not, you know, looked at as a very strong position in the draft. And there really weren't a lot of options uh, on the open market either outside of Soldier. So I know that they paid him, you know, uh, a huge contract. I think he's the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL now, but, you know, that filled a huge need for them. And I think, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, what do they decide to do at number two? I mean, they're a really fascinating team with Dave Gettleman there, the relationship that he has with Brandon Bean. You know, do they decide that they want to go quarterback of the future or they, do they want to move down and sort of build around Eli Manning? So I think that'll be a question that, you know, that we ask ourselves quite a bit moving, uh, moving ahead to the draft. And then, you know, I'll stay in New York. You know, I thought that the Jets uh, made some really intriguing moves, you know, mm-hmm. to sign Tremaine Johnson you know, a, a bona fide number one cornerback that every team needs, I thought was a really good signing. And then, you know, particularly a quarterback, it's really kind of fascinating what they, they've got five quarterbacks on the roster right now. And maybe none of those five take them out of the running to draft the quarterback at number six. But to, you know, a lot of what we talked about with uh, AJ McCarron, I think applies to Teddy Bridgewater. Of course, the slight difference there is that Bridgewater is more accomplished in the NFL. He's played more, but he's also got that significant injury question that's sort of looming over him. So I thought that in, you know, what they paid him was, it was, it sounds like a pretty big deal, but there's a level of intrigue there with, with Bridgewater. And I think that Josh McCown, I, you know, and I wrote this before uh, free agency started, I thought he would have been an ideal sort of veteran mentor bridge quarterback for the bills. So the fact that the jets were able to bring him back as well, I like that too. So, you know, I think those are a couple of the teams that have done some nice things. Yeah. And I, you know, they also signed Avery Williamson, who's a really good linebacker. I like that move for the Jets a lot too. Now, conversely, were you stunned? I did not, again, looking like an idiot on my podcast just a week ago. I was talking uh, with my guy, Tone Pucks, and we were shooting the shit with quarterbacks. And I'm like, I think Sam Bradford is going to linger around for a little bit. Teams are going to make signings early on, see, maybe see how the draft goes, and then someone gets them after. Literally, the first day where you can negotiate, we find out that Sam Bradford's getting $20 million for one year from Arizona. I, personally, that floored <laughs> me. <laughs> Were you stunned to hear that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. No question. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's the start of Sam Bradford's career, right? I mean, you, he's always gotten paid way more than what people would expect. It's and crazy. I don't think he's ever won. Yeah, he's never won more than, what, seven games in a season? He's got a very serious question in, in regards to his, you know, knee injury history. And, you know, there was a report from NFL Network, I believe it was right around the time of the combine, that, you know, that the Vikings feared that his knee had a degenerative condition in it. And, you know, obviously the, the details of that aren't exactly known, but that doesn't sound, you know, anytime you throw, start throwing around those types of words, that doesn't sound good. So, you know, for him to get $20 million and for the Bills to be paying A.J. McCarron $10 million over two. I mean, sign me up for what the Bills did 
10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 100, I'm taking that deal instead of paying Bradford $20 million. I, Don't get me wrong. I think Sam Bradford, when healthy, can do some nice things. And he did have a good 2016 season uh, with Minnesota, and he was great in the season opener. But, you know, there is some significant injury history there and questions about whether he can stay healthy. And uh, I thought, you know, Arizona, and, and you know what, you know, to just go off on a bit of a tangent here, it's a sign of the cap space in the NFL, though. I mean, these teams all have money to spend. The salary cap continues to go up at least $10 million every year. I think it's done it five years in a row. And more and more teams have cap space. So when you see, you know, you see some of these numbers in free agency and not just Sam Bradford, but, you know, you look at the the amount that Sammy Watkins gets or, uh, you know, some Star Lotelele, for example, you know, maybe he got more than a lot of people thought he would. But that that's just because there's a lot more money to spend in the league right now. Yeah, there is. There's no question about that. You know what? As we wind down, let's move on from football. Talk golf briefly. You're a huge golf guy. I know that both we covering stories in the newspaper and just on a personal level. Do you like covering golf? Like, do you wish you could cover a little more golf than you do? Oh, I love. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's funny we were driving to the combine, Mark Gaughan and I, and he's a, he's another big golfer, and we were listening to some golf podcasts and spent a lot of time talking uh, talking golf. And we were, you know we were talking about man, could you imagine like. Doug Ferguson, for example, is the AP uh, national golf writer. And like, boy, what a cool job that would be. You know, you're in Honolulu at the start of the year, and then you're, you're at Riviera in LA and Pebble beach and all these places. But it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tremendous grind and you know, it's a stress. If you have a family, like, you know, I have a a wife and a four-year-old son and, you know, to spend time with them, you know, as a national golf writer would be really, really difficult. So that would be the downside to that job for me is just how much you're away from home. But in terms of covering the sport, I love it. You know, I just, I, I, I think that, you know, I know some people, you know, it's not for everyone, certainly, you know, and it, you know, you, you know, <laughs> going from the world of football to golf, they couldn't be really two different sports, you know, in terms of the physicality and the team-based nature versus the individual nature of golf. But uh, I, I really appreciate just what a mental grind the game can be. And, so, yeah, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I would love to be able to cover more golf. Unfortunately, you know, <laughs> I don't have to tell you, you know, being in Buffalo, the golf season is not long, you know. So, you know, we have a short season here. and But we are lucky that, you know, just down the road in Rochester, you know, an hour away, they've got some world-class courses that have, you know, hosted majors. So I think for as bad of a golf season uh, that we get in terms of weather, we do. We're lucky to have some great courses around here and some opportunities to see. You know, the uh, the Canadian Open, for example, is held just outside of Toronto every year. That's a short drive. You know, Rochester, as I mentioned, gets those major tournaments. So we do have some good golf around here. And it, you know, even though it's small, I think there is a passionate golf community in Buffalo. Sure. Now you're from Lewiston originally, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yes, I grew up in uh, in Lewiston. Now, see, I always thought Lewiston was not even a city. It's just somewhere where people go once a week during the summer for the concerts. <laughs> no <people> were <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to go to Art Park uh, before the, there were concerts there. That's where, like, summer camps and everything. So when I think of Art Park, I don't think of the concerts. I think of, like, summer camp. But, yeah, now... Now everybody knows Lewiston because they descend on the uh, the tiny little quaint village like once a, you know, like you said, maybe once a summer or twice a summer to see a band or something. And, you know, the other thing is the jet boats. You know, I know that that's kind of been, you know, like a popular attraction the last, you know, and that wasn't around when I was growing up either. So, you know, those are a couple of reasons that I guess people would come down to Lewiston. But, yeah, to your point, it's kind of 
off the beaten path. I mean, it's, it's not close to really anything, you know, other than Niagara Falls, but if you're going to Lewiston, there's usually a reason for it. But, uh, you know, the people that are there, you know, from there would, you know, take pride in, in, uh, what a nice little village it is. Now you went to St. Francis high school, then you went to college at South Florida in Tampa. How did you like living in Tampa? I live in Florida now. I've spent my whole life in Buffalo. I moved to Florida two years ago. I live in Bradenton, which is maybe about 40, 45 minutes outside of Tampa. What, what, first of all, what brought you to Tampa to go to college? Like, why did you choose to go there? And how did you like living in Florida when you were there? Yeah, well, so, I mean, the first part of that. So my grandparents have a place in Treasure Island, Florida, which is about 30 minutes away from USF, 30 or 40 minutes away from uh, mm-hmm. where the main USF campus is just north of Tampa. So when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, whenever I would have spring breaks from, uh, from, you know, from school, I would go down and visit my grandparents. So I, you know, was pretty familiar with that area. Um, while I was getting ready to choose where, you know, I wanted to go to college. I actually had a cousin, uh, who was just a couple years older than me and she went to USF, uh, before I did. So I knew that, you know, I knew she was there. So I was going to know somebody at the school, my grandparents were there as snowbirds. So, you know, I could, you know, it was a, a relatively short drive over to their place. So, uh, I was familiar with the area that way. Um, you know, and, and you know, I wanted to go into journalism. I knew that I wanted to study, uh, communications. I had applied to Syracuse and I was accepted, but you know, it was, it was pricey and, you know, my family, you know, was not in a situation where I was going to be able to, uh, you know, it, w- it would have been a substantial amount of loans, uh, to go get a Syracuse education. And then, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about going into journalism, you're not going to come out of journal, you know, uh, having a, a four year journalism degree and you're not going to be making a lot of money right off the bat. And, and I knew all of that. So I thought, all right, well, Florida is going to be a lot cheaper, um, you know, than, than four years at Syracuse would be. We just talked about how much I like golf and the yeah. beach and, you know, who doesn't. <laughs> so it's like, that was not a real hard sell to, you know, think about doing four years down at, at uh, South Florida. So yeah, I'm, I'm really ended up, you know, really happy with the decision that I made. I thought USF had a, a very good communications program. I, I mean, I still email from time to time with some of my professors down there and um, you know, I think that they, you know, they helped me a lot get to where I am. So it, it was a decision that I, that I certainly am glad that I made. And, you know, the second part of your question, what did I think about living there? Well, you have to qualify that a little bit. Going to college is almost not really like living somewhere. You know, I That's would, true. I would come right. home for, you know, I'd come home for Christmas. I'd come home every summer. So, you know, the three months of the year where, you know, you're miserable because of how hot it is down there. I missed a lot of that. So, you know, I, I think it was, uh, you know, I think it was a great decision when, uh, you know, I'm calling my buddies from the golf course and they're shoveling their driveways, you know? Now you worked, obviously you, uh, you're at the news, but you weren't, you didn't go straight to the Buffalo news. I remember seeing some of your work with the Niagara Gazette. You worked for the Gazette before you got into the Buffalo news, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was my first. Uh, so I, I actually, my last college credits were an internship that I did at the Niagara Gazette. And it's funny the the day after the internship ended, they called and said, Hey, we have a job, uh, at the Gazette and you know, you want to interview for it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That, that would be awesome. I didn't get it. I was so bummed out, but I got a call the next day that there was a job at the Tonawanda news, which, uh, at the time was owned by the same company, greater Niagara newspapers also owned a, 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 the newspaper out in Lockport, the Lockport union Sun and journal. So it was like a family of three papers. Mm-hmm. So I got that job and I, w- I spent a year covering North Tonawanda. So I was on, 
you know, the court beat and I was on the city government, the school board beat and really anything that happened in North Tonawanda, I was writing about. And I'm really, really glad that I did that because I learned so much about reporting and journalism in that year of covering news. I mean, I knew ultimately that I would love to end up in sports, but working on the news side for a year was really, really beneficial. And then uh, eventually the, the sports editor job at the Tonawanda News opened up. And so I, as that, uh, in that position, we worked really closely with the Gazette and, you know, the staff, uh, was, you know, I think there was four of us or four or five of us between the three papers. And I thought we did some really, really good work, you know, covering, uh, our, our main focus was on high schools, of course, but we did some bills, we did savers, we did some UB and that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was a great, you know, great place to learn. And, and then, uh, Ultimately, yeah, you know, my goal was to to end up at the Buffalo News, it's, you know, where I grew up, the paper I grew up reading, and getting a chance to work there was, uh, you know, basically what my dream was. So, uh, you know, I started there in, in January of 2009 and have been there ever since. And, you know, I've done a, a few different jobs. I've, you know, I've done a lot of copy editing. Uh, I've been sort of a general assignment reporter, kind of covering whatever needed to be covered. And, you know, now what I do is, which is basically exclusively on the bills. If you're listening from Buffalo, you already know this. If you're not listening from Buffalo, you probably don't. But Jay is married to Melissa Holmes, who is a co-anchor at WGRZ. Beautiful woman. I want to hear the story. Make it. We'll make it brief. I mean, I don't want to get over personal with this interview or anything. But I have always wanted to know this. How did you guys meet? Tell tell us tell us a quick story about how you met. Uh, we met at a bar. Isn't that romantic? No. <laughs> hey, I met my wife at a bar. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, well, so um, it, the old Cosmel on Elmwood, uh, rest in peace to Cosmel, which is a, a favorite uh, of ours, uh, you know, obviously because we met there. But no, her, uh, it, it's funny, one of her best friends, uh, actually her best friend still to this day, the uh, the woman that was her maid of honor in our wedding, uh, they, they were friends all the way back to high school. She went to Kenmore West. Uh, one of the guys that I worked with at the Tonawanda News, who has gone on to become one of my best friends, he also went to Kenmore West, so they knew each other really, really well. And we just happened to be out, you know, our groups happened to be out at the same time. And they actually reconnected first and were, you know, were catching up and hadn't seen each other in, you know, a few years. And so, you know, our, our group of friends just kind of started chatting. And, you know, that's when I met Melissa. And uh, from there, you know, I that night I told Eric, who was uh, the, friend, uh, the friend of mine, so man, I you know I really liked talking with her. You should invite Mary Beth, Melissa's friend, out. You know, the following week we were going somewhere, and you know, see if they come. And you know, they they decided. You know, they said yes, and and they came out. And uh, you know, from there, uh, that's how Melissa and I met. So yeah, it's uh, it, it it was a definitely true friends, but it was kind of a, a chance meeting. That's awesome. How's parenthood treated you? You got a four year old now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's awesome. I mean, I you know I'm not going to lie and say it's not stressful at times. And certainly with uh, the careers that Melissa and I are in, we both, you know, work full time and she works crazy hours. She, you know, her alarm goes off at two fifteen in the morning. Yeah. Uh, she's, you know, she's at, at work at three thirty. So, um, it, you know, and then there's times where I'm traveling and, you know, that adds a, another layer to the, to the challenge. And, um, you, you know, uh, you know, right now it's like, it's, you know, it's just, we're getting to the point where Elliot, our son is, starting to get into some things so we got Saturday morning soccer practice and uh t-ball is starting up this year and so he's gonna gonna do that but I mean I am you know I'm sure like a lot of men out there you know I had always dreamed of having 
a son that I could do some of this stuff with. And I'm so lucky. And, you know, it's, there's no question, you know, if you were to ask Melissa, like Elliot is my spitting image in terms of not just, uh, you know, he loves sports like more than anybody I've ever met, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is, hockey, soccer, baseball, basketball, particularly golf. I know maybe if some people follow me on social media, they, you know, I, I tend to post, you know, from time to time, some videos of him playing golf at, at the golf dome. <laughs> I, I mean, we were there him. like, yeah, we're there like every other day. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's hysterical for, you know, this, you know, he just turned four uh, a couple of weeks ago, but for a four-year-old to play as much golf and to love it as much as he does uh, is really funny. So yeah, you know, he, he definitely got that athletic uh, gene for me and not that I was some great athlete, but you know, I guess the love of athletics he got from me and, so that's really, really cool that I get to do a lot of that stuff with him. Um, you know, it's just uh, absolutely. And, and I'm sure that you can kind of relate with your son. And, and I know he's, you know, pursuing a, a high school football career down there. It's pretty neat to be able to watch them uh, enjoy and compete. And, and, you know, and I'm just a, you know, a, a huge believer in, you know, in what sports can provide for a, for a kid, you know, in, in terms of the lessons that it, you know, it teaches them. And so that's what we're going through right now is trying to, teach him about, you know, being competitive, but it's okay if you don't win and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, all of the, all of that stuff that you, you would think about having a, a son and getting a chance to, to experience sports with him. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely living that right now. Yeah. It's the best. We won't trade it for anything and it gets better too. Let's, let's wrap this yeah. up. Let's yeah. wrap this up with a little bit of like Michael K style lightning round. I'm going to just say a couple things to you and, and you just give me the first answer that pops in. That's how we'll end this. Tell me, let me know sure. what what was your favorite sports team as a kid, not counting the Bills or Sabres? Michael Jordan's Bulls. What's the first thing you ever remember wanting to be when you were a kid? When you were saying, this is what I want to be when I grow up. What's the first thing you can remember? I wanted to do play-by-play like Rick Jenneret. I would... Uh... I remember watching games with my dad when I was a kid and asking him to turn the volume down so that I could do the play-by-play and, you know, see what he thought of how, how my play-by-play was. So that was my first, uh, that, that was definitely what my dream job was when I was growing up was, uh, wanting to do sports play-by-play. What's your favorite hobby that does not include golf? Because I know you're going to say golf. <laughs> yeah, you knew you, yeah, absolutely. You knew I was going to say golf. Uh, Jeez, now yeah, that's going to put me on the spot. Golf is always my sort of my go-to answer there. Um, favorite hobby that does not include golf? Uh, let's see, um, anything on the water? Uh, you know, I, my uh, I, I used to have a boat. We got we got rid of that um, just uh, because you know it, it was tough with Elliot. Um, but you know, my uh, my mother still she lives over in the city of Tonawanda, right off the Niagara River there she's got a jet ski. So, you know, whenever it's nice in, you know, summer days, I'm over there taking the jet ski out. So I'm a big fan of, you know, some, anything that, you know, that involves getting out on the water. I'm a big fan of that. What's your favorite city to visit or cover an event for work? Ooh, man, favorite city to visit. Um, I, I love going down to Fort Lauderdale every year for the Bills game. Uh, my two college roommates from my sophomore year uh, live up in West Palm and Jupiter. So I get a chance to go down there see them play around a golf with them, have dinner with them, which is always really cool to me. And I love Fort Lauderdale, the beach, uh, kind of, you know, it's a little bit different than Miami. It's got a little bit more of a low key vibe. So I'm a big fan of that area down there. Uh, that, you know, and you know, come on, let's face it. You know, you're, you're coming from Buffalo in November or December, getting a chance to go down to Fort Lauderdale and the company's paying for it. What can be better than that? <laughs> Favorite movie. 
Ooh, uh, uh, I'd say Goodwill Hunting is probably my favorite movie. Best chicken wings in Buffalo. Uh, I, I was just at almost last night watching the UB game, and they're up there. But I'm going Barbell. I, I think Barbell out in East Aurora is is the best that I've had. Second last question: Who has a better taste in music, you or Melissa? <laughs> oh, me, absolutely me. Not even a question. Uh, Melissa Melissa likes musicals. She did St. Joe's Swing Choir when she was growing up, and she's got, uh, whenever anything new comes to Shays, she's dragging me along quite a bit, but sometimes she'll take her mom if she knows it's a show that I definitely wouldn't want to go see. Uh, so, you know, she, she knows the Broadway channel on Sirius. She knows the, she's got it as one of her presets. Uh, that's not for everybody though. It's definitely not for me. So I would say I, I definitely have better taste in music. Yeah, man, you win that easily. Last question, <laughs> last question, sticking with music. And I ask this at every interview I have, and I know you're not old, but you're old enough. Favorite eighties music, favorite type of eighties music. And give me a specific favorite eighties artist. Oh man, um, I lo- I was a big Michael Jackson fan when uh, that was like kind of I remember having his cassettes uh, when I was growing up. So that was kind of like the first. I would say like if I could think of my first favorite musical artist, it was Michael Jackson. Like Bad, and like I remember owning. I think it was like the cassette single of Bad. So I think that's like late eighties, right? That counts. Yeah, that counts. That's late eighties, eighty seven, eighty eight. That's yeah. perfect. Good answer. Yeah, that's yeah, that's where I'm going then for sure. Michael Jackson. <laughs> All right, Jay. Listen, thanks. I really appreciate your time. We went a little bit long today. I thought we would just stick with the bills, but you know what? I enjoy talking to you. So I said, let's do a little overtime here. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, you got it, Pat. I'm glad to have uh, done it. It was a lot of fun and, and thanks for having me. Moranolytics MVP. You the real MVP. Honorable mention, or at least I should say big props to Demi Lovato, who this week on Twitter very publicly celebrated six years of being sober. I'm not saying it with any sarcasm. It's a lot to be proud of. So congratulations to her. And I also want to give honorable mention to season three, the last season of Love on Netflix. One of my favorite series created by Judd Apatow. Great fucking series. And hey, what do you know? A series that could actually have a happy ending. You guys like a couple? We're a couple of something. Yeah. That is the least sexy thing I've ever heard. I'll review that series in a future episode. But my MVP this week is Adrian Wojnarowski, more affectionately known in the basketball world as Woj. Of course, he's famous for dropping his Woj bombs as the world's biggest NBA insider. And I mean literally the biggest NBA insider, if not the biggest sports insider in the world. Name me a basketball scoop that's not a Woj bomb. You won't do it. Anyway, Woj is a class of 1991 St. Bonaventure graduate and Despite all of his fame and fortune, that guy certainly never forgot where he came from. Woj, along with his wife, Amy, who's also a Bonner grad, they donated $10,000 to the school over this past week so that more than 400 Bonner students and friends were able to get bused to and from their NCAA tournament playing game this past Tuesday night in Dayton, Ohio against UCLA. Some of that money also supported a big watch party back home for the students in Olean, New York. Woj not only gave back to his alumni, but he also helped provide memories that'll last those guys and girls 
for a very long time, especially the ones that were busted the game because Bono went on that night and knocked off the UCLA Bruins. What an incredible thrill that I'm sure everyone who was at that game will remember for a long time, if not forever. All in all, a solid move from Wojanami. What a great way to give back to his school. That's MVP shit. You are such a loser. Loser! You're a loser! Moranalytics LVP. Usually I have LVP and terrible tweets mixed into two separate segments. But in this case, I'm going to give the ultimate asshole, Skip Bayless, both of them for this week. Seriously, I loathe Skip Bayless so much. I fucking hate Skip Bayless. Sure enough. And you know why I, by the way, you know why I loathe him? Because he's full of shit. Not only is he full of shit, he's one of those guys who intentionally says things that are blatantly stupid and he does it on purpose, not because he believes it, just because he knows it's going to get a rise out of people. He's constantly saying and tweeting things that he doesn't even believe. Do you know why he does that? Because he figured out he could be a seven-figure-per-year fucking troll that pisses people off, but you come back for more. Sadly, I'm one of those stupid idiots who does keep coming back for more. In my mind, that makes him an asshole, and also all of us extremely gullible. Here's the thing, though. If you're going to be an asshole, at least don't be stupid. And that's the thing about Skip Bayless. He's really pretty fucking stupid. Exhibit number 1000 came on Thursday night before an NCAA tournament playoff game between Arizona, the four seed, and 13 seed UB. He said, and I quote, I'm picking Arizona to win it all as a four seed because of DeAndre Aiden, who at 7-1 has NBA superstar potential. Plays so hard and smart for his age. Maybe I'm expecting too much too soon, but he's easily the best player in the tournament. Well, guess what, Skip? You're wrong again. Arizona's not going to win the NCAA tournament. They're not even going to get to the second round of the tournament. That's because the number four seed Arizona, heavily favored Arizona, got bounced by Buffalo. Not only did they get bounced, but they got bounced the fuck out the building. UB whooped their ass by 21 points in the first round. A 13 beat a four by 21 points. Let that sink in, Skip. Don't worry, though, because in the time it takes you to hear this statement, Skip Bayless will go on and say something even dumber. Trust me, it's going to happen. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Skip Bayless, LVP, and also a cocksucker meatball head. All right, that'll put a wrap on this episode. Once again, thanks to Jay Skursky of the Buffalo News for coming on and giving us his time. Appreciate his talk about the Bills, NFL, life in general. What a great guest. So glad we had him on. Of course, thanks to Tone Pucks for coming on and doing our weekly thing. Speaking of weeks, cannot wait until next week as we start going twice weekly. We'll have a show on Monday and then we'll also have a show on Thursday. In the meantime, do the right thing. I know you want to. Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this. The shit is free. You know what else is free? Leaving me a five-star rating and a couple kind words for a review. Your reviews can tell iTunes 
stop fucking around and put us up on the charts where we belong. Thanks again for tuning in. Talk to you guys next week. Actually, I'll talk to you guys twice next week. See ya. Hashtag bless the reins. <laughs>